0: Right. Well, it's glad. I'm so glad to see your faces and all that wonderful happiness that's going on there. Um, it's a wonderful <laughs> honor to see you guys. Um, we had a great weekend last weekend, if you weren't with us, on um, last Sunday. We did our baptism at the beach. We had a barbecue. We had several people um, getting baptized, and I think it was just a really great turnout, uh, a great view of life and how God wants us to, just to celebrate those who are making commitments for him. So thank you for everyone that gave. Um, Financially, or gave some kind of food or or dish that you made. Chad, thank you for your amazing fish that was of the Lord. Amen. Um, we'll be back over your house next week, but <laughs> we're so grateful. Um, just for each and every one of you guys that are here today, uh, we're going to be doing a message today entitled uh, "Wicked," and that's a really great, awesome message to have on Sunday morning. Wicked. I want you guys, if you um have your Bibles, to turn to the book of Proverbs, the 12th chapter. Proverbs, the 12th chapter. We'll be reading from verse 21. Whether you have your Bibles or not, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get right into that scripture. Father God, open up our hearts and our minds and our ears to receive your word, to receive your truth. Um, Lord, use these next few moments that you would grow them, that you would take them to another place, that you would take these moments and let us grow as your people, as your believers, um, following your truth in your way. We thank you, Father, and bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you guys would stand with us as we honor God's word. Uh, we have a lot of verses to read. Actually, it's just one. We have one verse to read, and we're just going to have you guys read with us as we stand and honor of God's word.
1: No harm comes to the godly, but the wicked have their fill of trouble.
0: Amen. You guys can be seated. That was quick today, right? No harm comes to the godly, but the wicked have their fill of trouble. It doesn't mean that in this passage of Scripture... You and I don't experience challenges in life. If we are believers and we're walking out God's path and his direction, you and I are going to have troubles because that's life. Um, Life happens in certain ways where there are moments we experience things we don't want to experience, but we experience them all the same. Um, they are good moments and they are bad moments. This passage of Scripture does not mean that you will not experience some rough times in life based upon your Christian living. Uh, what this passage of Scripture means is that you will encounter troubles, and troubles are different from rough moments. Rough moments in this passage of Scripture, in this context, simply means that, hey, there's going to be problems that happen, and we got to kind of deal with it, and we got to figure out how to do life. There's going to be health challenges. There's going to be physical challenges. there going to be mental challenges, financial challenges. There's going to be kid challenges. There's going to be marriage challenges. Those are challenges. Troubles are Things that are brought somewhat to to ourselves based upon the facts of the actions that we have done or that we have caused. Are you guys with me? Troubles are based upon the concept that you and I have done some things or have participated in some things that have brought us back into a posture where we're now reaping the consequences or the struggles of life. That's trouble that this passage of Scripture is talking about. There's hard times and rough times for Christians and believers that happens. We want to, as Christians and believers, minimize the amount of trouble. Are you guys with me? Because trouble is never fun. Trouble generally comes from the aspect that you and I have done something in life, and we are now reaping the benefit of the wrong that we've done. And the benefit of the wrong that we've done is trouble, and everybody hates trouble. From the minute I can start getting into trouble, I have gotten into trouble. And every time I get in trouble, I hate trouble. I hate it. It's the worst feeling in the world. Your are is you can't go. Oh, but I wanna trouble. You didn't pay that parking ticket and now it's become a fine and now it's doubled and now it's increased and they suspended your license. Trouble. All right, there's nobody here. Fine. Um <laughs> you didn't pay your taxes and you just kind of your slip. Oh, I got a face. Well, keep looking on this way. <laughs> you do all this stuff and you don't pay those taxes and all of a sudden, trouble. And she told you, I need to spend more time with you, and you're, I'll get to it, and I'll get to it, and I'll get to it. And all of a sudden, relationships aren't working because you haven't yielded trouble. All right, we got to go going with this trouble thing. And so what we're dealing with is that we don't like trouble, and God says, listen, in order for you to spiritually grow, in order for you to spiritually develop, you and I have to understand and come to an understanding that we have to get rid of trouble. What is this trouble that you're talking about? This trouble is caused to us based upon wicked living, wicked lifestyle. Here's the definition of wicked. It is evil or morally wrong. It is something that is, um, is harmful to someone's self or to something else. It is some kind of living mentality or heart that is morally wrong in God's eyes. Wickedness or being wicked is something that is morally um, apprehensible, is not pleasing, disgusting to God. It is something that God is not pleased with and he's not happy with. That is what wicked is by the definition. In fact, God says, and so, he puts such an emphasis on the word wicked that it appears more than 87 times in the Bible. God is trying to get our attention for you and I to avoid wicked behavior and not only to avoid it, but to recognize wicked behavior. I want you and I to be in a posture when we leave here today that we have a clear understanding of how to avoid trouble. And the trouble that I'm talking about is wicked lifestyle, wicked living, a wicked thought process, wicked interaction, because that would, that's what brings us trouble. and What brings us trouble hinders us from being successful and experiencing God on the highest levels. Are you guys with me? I want to share with you guys five things today how to avoid this trouble, how to change this wickedness in our hearts and our mind, here's the first thing I want to share with you. Public and private confessions, conversations. Public and private conversations. Proverbs 12, verse 6 says this.
1: The words of the wicked are like a murderous ambush, but the words of the godly save lives. It
0: says that the wrong words with the wrong wicked people, with the wrong people, are like a murderous ambush. It comes out of nowhere, it jumps out of nowhere, and it ends up causing you all kinds of drama in life. I have done a lot of high school ministry. In fact, I was talking to somebody today um, when I was working in high school. A lot of the dramas that I dealt with in high school was because it was a lot of that he said and she said stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about? Some of you have based your whole entire personality based upon a 12th grade conversation to change your life. It's true. People have changed their whole frame of mind of how they're going to posture themselves based upon conversations of people that have said something negatively about them, somebody that has told them they're the man or they're the woman, and they took that on, and they're going to be the most macho handsome. and they've taken that, and they run with it. It's because some conversations are wicked. There's some conversations that change the heart and the mind, the mentality of who we are, and it says it's like a murderous ambush. It pops out of nowhere, and it jabs, and it stabs, and it cuts us, and it hurts us, and it marks us. And you and I have to be careful of these public and private conversations that we get into because hanging around the wrong people, having the wrong kind of conversations can damage our hearts, can damage our mentality, it can push us in directions we shouldn't go, and it becomes something that becomes murderous and kills the spirit of who we are, the essence of who we are, how we should breathe and believe and how we should think, the concepts that we should carry on. Those murderous conversations, those murderous activities, public and private conversations, And cause you a world of damage. i preaching, man. I got five points, by the way. I'm just on one. These conversations, these, these these conversations that we have publicly at the water cooler, hanging out with friends, taking in their conversations, their thought processes. These public conversations can be wicked conversations. We need to figure out where God's heart is in these conversations, what God's truth is in these conversations, where God lies in these conversations, and dwell on those conversations. Are you guys with me? There's public conversations and there's private conversations. I believe, in, I believe in having friends and groups of people, and that's great. You should have a public circle, but you also should have a private circle. And your private circle is generally people you can trust more than your public circle. You guys you know what I'm with that? Because you want to be able to share more intimate details in your private circles. The issue is be careful who's in your private circle. Because your private circle are generally people that are closer to your heart than your public circle. Okay, so you guys are in the group chat, and there's like 50 of you. But inside your private circle, that small circle of that few people you text is maybe two or three people. You share all of your heart, all of your insight, all of your thoughts, all of your feelings. You have to identify that even in your public circles, when you get down to your private circles, you can still hold some ungodly conversations, some wicked conversation, and you need to protect and guard your heart in your private conversations. Just because you can be more real and more vulnerable doesn't mean you should all the time. Body blows, Jake. I'm throwing them. Just because you're now in your private circle doesn't mean that you get to open up your mouth and express the wickedness of your heart because you're in this circle of small, close net safety. That doesn't mean that in the close net safety circle, you get to expose the wickedness of your heart. It means in the close net circles, you should be able to express your feelings more candidly, but you should also be still expressing those in a way that expresses God's truth. And if you're close net circle, Is expressing ungodly thinking, wicked thinking, attitudes, and things that don't express God. You need to check your small circle because your small circle can cause you a lot of damage. Because the Scripture says, not Brian Wade, that the words of the wicked are like murderous ambush. They come out and they sneak out of anywhere, and they come out of any place, and they pop up, and they kill happiness. They kill joy. They kill hope. They kill the process of moving forward. You have to watch who's in your public and who's in your private circle, who's in your public and who's in your private conversations, because the wrong people that say the wrong thing at the wrong time can take you down a path you never should be involved in. Woo, Chris. You should go back to the beach, brother. It's tight. And while I'm here... Public and private conversations, for those that are all part of that big public conversation and that small public conversation, I would challenge you to watch out for your own personal private conversations you have with yourself. I'm the only person that talks to myself. All right. (laughs) I mean, have you not been on the road and you're thinking all this stuff and you got these feelings and these thoughts and that lady cuts you off and you got to just... I'll show you evil. I'll show you what cutoff looks like. You know, that person that talks to, okay, <laughs> that was just me on Monday on 295. <laughs> it's just just me. That person, and you start having these conversations or those conversations where you start devaluing yourself, those conversations where you say you're not worth it, you're not good, you didn't hit the mark, what kind of husband are you, what kind of wife are you, you, you suck at grades, you suck at all that stuff. That if we feed and hold these private conversations, it takes us down a path that can cause to destruction. It's this path that leads us down a road where we lose life. And so you and I have to be careful of public and private conversations, the wickedness of those things. The next thing I want to share with you is point number two, paying attention. Proverbs 12, 15 reads like this.
1: Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others.
0: It says if you're going to get rid of this wickedness, if you're going to minimize this wickedness, stop taking the advice that you hear straight off of TV. Stop taking the advice you start taking right off of, of the Internet or your girlfriends or your best friends. I want you to start using this as the measurement of advice. I'll say it again. I want you to use this as the measurement of advice. This is the standard of advice. This is the standard of what I'm going to pay attention to. I'm going to use this, and this is going to be the blueprint for everything that we say and do in our house, in our marriage, on my job, at school, in my thought process. This is how I'm going to weigh conversation. This is how I'm going to weigh people's thought process. This is how I'm going to weigh how I'm going to operate. I'm going to use this scripture as the blueprint so that I can walk out things in a proper way. So whenever somebody brings something to me, I'm going to take this and say, does this line up with what? Scripture. If this doesn't line up with God's Word, that's a good conversation, great thought. Get out of here. Does this sound like the essence of God's Word? Now, I tell people this all the time. Every person that you're in contact with does not necessarily have to be saved, and every person that gives you wise insight does not have to have God be, a, be a Christian but what they say, the essence of what they say, the, the 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 dressing of what they say, it should look like or feel like some of the principle or truth of God's Word. And if it doesn't, then I don't need to necessarily put that on the same level of weight that I would with God's Word. Are you guys with me today? And so, no matter how much their, their insight is great, does their insight line up with the essence of God's truth and His Spirit and His principles? And if it doesn't, It's good information, but maybe not the information I want to live my life by. If you don't start and we don't start living this word out in that kind of way, we're going to miss the mark. If we're not paying attention to God's word, we're going to get involved in relationships and attitudes and activities and things we have no business getting involved in that's going to cost us a lot more than we would. It's going to cost us a lot of trouble. My mom is giving me so many wise words of wisdom, and I've kind of said, eh, eh, and man, does it kick me in the tail. Wilson boys, I'm just messing with y'all today. (laughs) I'm just messing with you. They're like, oh my God, I'm just messing with you guys. Like, no, really, All the times you can think about this wise wisdom that they've given us and we've kind of ignored it, we've thrown it out the window, we're going to do it our own way, and we pay attention to everybody else's wisdom, we find ourselves a lot of times in trouble when it's not God's wisdom. We find ourselves in a lot of hurt and a lot of pain because we weren't paying attention to God's wisdom. The more we pay attention to his wisdom and his truth, the more we can avoid these troubles that we've been talking about. Point number three, your posture. Proverbs twelve sixteen.
1: A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted.
0: Okay. So a few years ago, me and Rosie, is New Year's Eve. Rosie's in a lot of pain, so Attica's messing up. We decided that we're going to go down to the local grocery store, grab us some crab cakes, grab us those pretzels with the crab on top of it. You guys know what I'm talking about. We're going to go home. We got no kids. It's New Year's Eve. We're going to watch TV and heat up all this crab deliciousness. I leave the grocery store, and this guy gets behind me, and he starts flashing his lights. And I do one of those private conversation things. (laughs) Oh, you want this? I'm not even out of the parking lot yet. You want this, buddy? I got you. So he tries to go past me, and I do one of those. No, you don't. You have to go past me. <laughs> no, no, you won't. And I get to the stop sign and I turn and I get to the light. The light's red. And he gets out of his car and he starts to hit the side of my car, the back of it. And he go and he pulls on the handle of the door. And if I I have that car where if you take it out of uh, if you put it in park, the doors open up. You know what I'm talking about? They unlock. And so while he's pulling on her, on Rosie's door, if I put the car in park, because at this point, I'm not Pastor Brian right now. No. It's a whole nother dude coming out. <laughs> You're pulling on my car door, and I go to put the car in park, but if I do, the doors unlocked, And so he bangs on the car again, and he starts to go behind the car. And this thought comes in my mind. I'm going to run him over. <laughs> and so I put my hand on drive, And I get ready to put it in reverse because at this point I'm thinking, I don't really care. It's New Year's Eve. What's jail? And so I'm getting ready to put it into reverse. And I'm thinking to myself, do you really want to hit this dude in your car, Pastor Brian of another church? I wasn't a pastor at this church, but at another church. Do you want to hit that guy? And there's a part of me that's like, run him over. And there's another part of me that's like, no. And so when he gets around to this side of the car, I'm thinking to myself, now I'm about to put it in park, and I'm going to wail on you like you ain't never been wailed on before. And as he comes up to the car, I step on the gas, swerve around this illegal U-turn kind of thing, zip back through the parking lot, and zip down the street. And everything on the inside of me is like, go get him! And the other side of me is like, we're not going to do this. And there's another part, just go get him! We're not going to do this go get him. We're not going to do this. And I battle all the way home. Go get him. We're not going to do this. And I pull in my driveway, and Rosie's looking like, this dude is crazy. And I'm looking at her like, I'm crazy. You know what I'm saying? There's all this stuff going on. And she gets out of the car, and I'm sitting in the car, and I'm thinking to myself, I should go back and find this guy. You know, all those feelings and private conversation you probably shouldn't have. And so finally, 15 minutes pass, and she's like on the window, are you coming back in the car? Are you coming back in the house? Because I'm still in the car. And I get inside the car and I say, Wow, that was a really bad example of everything that looks like what a pastor should look like. And she laughed and she said, It's a bad example for how anybody should look like. And I said, This is New Year's Eve. I got to change some stuff. Like, I don't believe in resolutions, but I'm a little over the top right now. And we sat down and we talked and we ate our crab food and we had crab cakes and we had our crab pretzels and we talked and we laughed and we said, this right here was absolute craziness, and you, Brian, have to be better in control of your emotions. And I said, this is absolutely right. I should have just hit him. And we laughed some more. and <laughs> We talked. And my whole point is that there are moments that there is absolutely no way that wickedness does not dwell fully within us. Now, you can be saved, you can be baptized, you can be dipped, you can be double-dipped, you can all the stuff you want to say that you are super spiritually saved. There are moments when this heart and this flesh desires to do what it wants to do. We've had good days, we've had good weeks, and it's one little thing that sets us off, and we just... The question is, can you and I in that moment posture ourselves to say, let me find where the baseline is back with Christ. Did y'all catch that? I have lost it. I missed the moment. I've gone off target. Is there a way I can get myself back on track? There are moments when we are just the most spirit-led person, and all of a sudden this attitude just explodes and it erupts, and it's evil for a moment. It's evil for a day. It's evil for a week, and it just goes crazy. Can you and I say, listen, let me posture myself to get myself back in a position where I am locked into who God is? A fool is quick-tempered. But a wise person stays calm when insulted. Can, when, when this life, some, you know, it's funny, because sometimes people don't insult you. Sometimes life insults you. Sometimes, sometimes somebody doesn't have to say anything, but the situation annoys me so much, I feel insulted by the situation. The husband, the wife, the job didn't do it. It was something in life that just, oh, how dare you mess with me, life? I had plans, and you're messing with me, and it, and it sparks this frustration, this hate, this bitterness, this ugh that builds up inside of us. Can we take that moment as we start to feel ourselves losing it, starting to lose patience on the road, on the job, with the kids, with the homework, with the job, when we start to find ourselves coming off kilter, can we say, can I pull myself back to being in a posture that looks like Christ again? Guess who failed the New Year's Eve driving test? Me failed it but when you fail can you come back and learn from it when you fail can you come back and say listen I want to be in the right posture listen I failed I messed up I want to get back on track Understanding that we have these moments of quick-temperedness, we have these moments of being frustrated and full of bitterness or hurt or anger, can we bring ourselves back to saying, regardless of what life has insulted me, people have insulted me, can I get back in a posture where I look like Christ? And if you ain't never looked like Christ, then this is a great time to start getting in that posture because we're talking about working out this wickedness. Point number four, plans, Proverbs 12 5 reads like this.
1: The plans of the godly are just. The advice of the wicked is treacherous.
0: Plans take planning. Let me say it again. Plans take planning. The advice of the wicked are generally, if I was you, you know what I'd do? It's advice. If that was me, I would. That's advice. Well, if he comes home today and does that again, you should probably advise. If your supervisor says to you one more time, foul that and blah, blah, advice. You guys with me? You can give me your advice, thank you very much, but then I need to sit down and go back to the thing we talked about a few points ago, taking that advice and seeing if it lines up with God's truth. Now, you're going to say to me, who has time for all that? I got to act right now. No, you don't. You never have to act right now. You want to act the way God would like you to act in his now, in his time, in his process, in his desire. Acting right now rarely ever resolves the situation. Amen. (laughs) Acting right now has never really brought us the biggest benefit. I don't want right now responses. I want godly responses that bring the greatest reward, benefit, and return. And if I'm going to do that, then my mindset and my process has to be that I'm going to make plans. Plan number one, instead of punching you, I'm going to pray for you. Ooh. Plan number one is I'm going to sit down and I'm going to pray for me, and I'm going to pray for the God of the universe, and I'm going to pray for his sovereign power, to work in this situation because on my own, it's a horrible mess. Plan number two, I'm going to gather all my wise counsel and we're going to sit down and talk and plan this thing out. I had a dude a few months ago from my church text me, said, can we talk? Never talked before other than hi and bye and hello. We smiled and laughed. I said, "Can we talk?" I said, "Sure, let's talk. What's up?" And then we talked for two hours about stuff that he's dealing with. And guess what? I was perfect because he rather would have a plan of action than just be reactive. And we worked out a plan of action together. And then I called him three days later and said, how's your plan going? And then I texted him two weeks later and said, do you still need to talk about the plan some more? Let's work this. That's what you want to do in life. You want to get a plan. You want to have a godly plan. You want to work the plan. You want people in your private and public circles that can encourage you not to be wicked but to work out the godly plan. This is how we eliminate and reduce the wickedness in our lives. And if you don't have those checks and balances, it's an absolute mess. We had an elders meeting yesterday via magical Skype. I don't know what we used. It was some kind of thing that we used. And I said, everybody, this is the plan I talked with of one aspect of leadership, and now I'm asking the rest of the elders to help hold me accountable to this plan. You guys see that? I want everybody involved in the plan so that I don't mess up. And then I want to say, I want to take these other leaders over here, and I want to make sure they're involved in the plan, too. And I want to make sure we can hold them accountable. And then on Monday or Tuesday, there'll be a schedule of, of what everybody looks like that's doing what they're supposed to. And then we'll all understand you don't talk to that person then, you can call this person now. We're all going to be part of the plan to execute godly living. So to pass the brand on 50 doesn't run somebody over to Bay Bridge because they cut me off. Not that I need that, but, I, you know, just in case. It's part of having a plan. Instead of us going out wild, willy-nilly, just doing our thing, take a few moments to sit back and review the plan. The wicked never operate on a godly plan. The wicked never operate making out plans that God is pleased with. For every situation that you've read in the news, about wicked people that have done wicked things, murderous things, you've noticed over the last 15, 20, 30, 40 years, they've had a journal and they've had a plan. You guys with me? And in their journal, in their plan, it has been private plans that they have not discussed with anyone else. If you're going to make a life-altering plan, a life-altering decision, you need to bring as much godly people around to review your plans hello. And each of those people, in each of those circumstances, when they go inside their houses or check their computers, there's tons of plans. The wicked can make plans, and the wicked can have wicked plans. It's important to take our plans, whether we think they're great or or we don't know, or they're frustrating, and present them to somebody and say, where does this line up over God's word? Where's the accountability? So that my plans, maybe they're wicked, I need to review these plans and have them look like godly plans. (sighs) Bro, it's hard today, man. I don't know how many counseling sessions I've had where they've told me their exit plan. You got it? They're giving me their exit plan. I'm out of this marriage. I'm out of this job. I'm going to leave my job next, next week. I'm gone. No two weeks notice. The dude, you're going to leave your job with four kids. You have no plan. I'm out of here. I can't take it anymore. Sit down and let's talk. You got four kids. You're already in counseling about money's tight and trying to figure out how to move money around. You want to leave? I can't. Something's got to give. Yes, you're going to have to give a little bit more time. Before you, I got no problem with you going to a new job. Before you go to a new job, sit your tail down and get a couple interviews and find a better job or the same kind of paying job. You can't just leave like this, buddy. I can't take it. I'm leaving. What happened? He didn't wash the di- dishes. Dishes? 13 years over this. Di- it's the same dish. Bring uh, Come here. The same plate, that's what we're doing. Throw the plate out. <laughs> that man mug that has the flip Viking top, he never scrubs it because it's tough to get in. Throw the cup out. Don't leave off of a cup. Come here. That's that's your plan? That's your exit strategy? Really? Let's talk. Have you talked? I talked to my friends. What did they told you? They told me I should leave. Well, hold on. <laughs> Off of what basis, off of what principles, let's sit down and talk. Maybe we, maybe we need a break, but let's figure out what that looks like. You understand what I'm saying? Just because, the, and so we take like this and we'll say, oh, we need a plan, and if it's a good plan, then we're good. No, I'm not saying that you should just have a plan and go with it. It needs to be a godly plan. So don't sit there and just plan out your plan and run with it. You still need a plan, but your plan needs to reflect godliness in it, and that's where God's success takes place. Here's the fourth, fifth, and final point. I know you guys are kind of fighting with that wickedness inside of you. Here we go. Plan it. Proverbs twelve three.
1: Wickedness never brings stability, but the godly have deep roots.
0: Never seen wickedness ever fully succeed forever. It's never stable. It's never ever works out fully for able forever. You may sit there and say, you know what, man, they've been doing wrong all their life. I want to taste of wrong. If that's wrong and I want a little bit of it, has anybody else said that? It's just me? Stop playing. Come on. Nobody else has said that before? Nobody else has said that before? Such liars. Oh, my God. You've never sat there and just seen somebody like, man, they are thriving at the highest level of wickedicity, and I want some of it. I want a taste of it. Just for a second. And so what you and I do is we view it sometimes from the wrong lens. Because if that scripture says that it's never stable, it's never going to hang around, it's never going to be there, you and I are saying, I've seen it for 20 years and they look great and they're having fun. The question is um, whose lens are you viewing it through? Oh, that was good. Because you're sitting there through your eyes and saying, I'm seeing them be successful. Man, they look great. But how is God viewing them? Which lenses are you using? Are you using the lenses on your eyes or are you using these lenses right here? Because this says that the wicked will never fully prosper, will never be uh, stable. It will never have the fully godly deep roots. And if you ever go into the forest, if you've ever been hunting, if you've ever experienced on a nature walk, there are trees that have been around for a long time. But on the inside, they're willowed and rotted, and hollow, and it doesn't take much to push them over, doesn't take much for them to fall. That scripture says that the roots will never be deep. Just because it looks stable doesn't mean that it is. Just because it's been around a long time doesn't mean it's alive. Boy, (laughs) I'm preaching today, man. (laughs) Gracious. Just because it looks alive doesn't mean that it is. My wife, Rosie, and her mother have this saying that they say evil, they say old people and evil old people never die. I think it's hilarious. It's hilarious. I've seen some some people that have just been bitter all their life. I think mean, they came out bitter. Just came out bitter. Just came out of attitude. Just bitter, nasty, mean, cantankerous all their life. And they still successful and they still around. <laughs> just still living. Cousin Pete died at 22, and they alive at 123. That makes sense. Cousin Pete was a great guy. Passed away at 23. This person's been around forever. Tell you every president has ever been, met him, <laughs> and just evil, mean, and bitter. And you're trying to figure out why are you? What's first of all what's holding you together, and second of all, why are you still here? So two questions I have. And the truth is. It's just because they've been around for a long time, just because they look like they're thriving, doesn't mean that they are. And sometimes we view people and circumstances with the wrong set of lenses and the wrong set of truth. This scripture doesn't say that they won't look beautiful. This scripture doesn't say that they won't be around for what seems to be forever. It says that their roots of godliness says the godly have deep roots. It says the godly people have deep roots and these people don't. And eventually when the winds of life come, when time comes, when Christ comes, when someone comes of great power and authority, you will, they will be exposed on how much they don't have a relationship. They will be exposed on how significant they aren't. And we're so busy trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're so busy trying to keep up with folks. We're so busy getting frustrated because they're flourishing when we're struggling that we're missing the point. Go ahead and flourish. I'm working on deep roots. Go ahead and be successful. I'm working on deep roots. You go ahead and you you get brand new car after brand new car and you don't take care of these things and these people and you don't value these principles. Go ahead. I'm working on deep roots. And after a while, I'm so busy working on deep roots, I don't have time to even think about what you're doing. And eventually, in due time and in due season, I'll be fine and I'll be flourishing. Here's your takeaway if you don't get anything else out of what we're saying today.
1: The way of the godly leads to life. That path does not lead to death.
0: We read this in the beginning, and we'll say it again. To experience the true life that God has for us, to experience the life God desires for us, to experience this life where we are minimizing this, this wickedness in us, these weaknesses in us, that we're minimizing the trouble that we're surrounded around, we have to be involved in a life, a life that grows deep roots for God, a life that is about focusing on doing what God says is right, how God says we ought to live, being surrounded by people that are concerned about us living and experiencing life on the highest levels. When we do that on a consistent basis, when we bring people into our public and our private circles with our public and private conversations, when we start putting ourselves in the center and being planted in God's truth, this is where we experience this path of life, where trouble is reduced, where struggle is reduced, where wickedness is not a part of this life, and when it does spark up, because it will, we'll be able to quickly identify it and say, this isn't Christ, let me extinguish this. And this is where life begins, and this is where God's Christly powers begin to show itself in who we are. If you want to eliminate the wickedness in your thought life, in your finances, in your marriage, with your friends, with your family, then we start living this life. We start walking down this path and doing it together. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, it's by your grace and by your mercy, by your love, that you remind us time and time again who you are and what you have for us. Father, let us begin to identify the things that are displeasing to you, the things we need to work on. Let us bring people in place that will help us plan out a way to walk out your truth. You've given us a church full of leaders, a church full of elders, and people to do life with in the right way. Forge us, push us, press us to connect with them, to be the successful man, woman, teenager, young adult, to be everything you desire for us to be. Father, grow us in our marriages, grow us in our relationships, in our times, our attention to you. Reduce this wicked heart and let us flourish in life with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.